You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. So what do you guys think, folks? Did Harvard really end their eugenics program? Did it really die with Adolf Hitler? Because he had tainted eugenics for all of the eugenicists spread out around the world. Of course it did not, folks. It was rebranded, repackaged, and now it's on steroids. And it's called transhumanism. And as I've said, technocratic transhumanism is the merger of the technocrats and the transhumanists. And you can start to see these blurred lines. It's not two schools of thought anymore. It's one. And you see it coming to fruition under the false industrial revolution under the merger of the physical, biological, and digital worlds. That's what all of this is. It's the technocrats and the transhumanists working together to completely control society. It is a system of control. That is what technocracy is. And transhumanism is this system of control of humanity itself. And so the two overlap, and that's why when you go back to the late 1800s through the 1930s, you'll find many eugenicists overlapping with the technocrats. The technocrats really the collection of scientists, engineers, and technologists, and the eugenics movement grew out of the economists, right? But they overlapped, and they're inspired by a lot of the same folks. And as we showed you, some of these guys ended up in FDR's brain trust that developed up the concepts for the new deal the new deal really marking everyone with a social security number which was a tenet of technocracy they needed to identify each individual person with basically a dewey decimal system code which ended up being the social security number so we know the truth behind that we've uncovered a lot of interesting stuff over the last several episodes delving into the history And so I just wanted to show you what Harvard is up to today. And when they tell you, these historians, these mainstream historians that tell you the official narrative that eugenics died with Hitler or that MKUltra ended in 1964 or that uh, this idea that we imported all these Nazis under Operation Paperclip was just some kind of blemish on our record. You know, this stuff is all a complete and total lie. They tell you that technocracy died with the New Deal, which is not true i spent uh, many episodes dissecting official narrative folks who wrote about mk ultra and other topics and they don't tell you the whole truth that is the whole point of disinformation misinformation that is what controlled opposition is all about i had a conversation with my father about this a couple of days ago and i didn't want to bring it up in the interview with him because i really didn't want to pick a fight with my father uh, over the holidays and get in a big argument with him and i did not want to turn that episode into a debate show part of that was so that i could document a conversation with my father that my son william will later hear you know and understand who my father was and how i am who uh how i've become who i am today but i was talking to my father about this and he was mentioning 
you know, certain doctors that come on Fox News. Maybe we did mention it a little bit in the show, but I didn't press on it. And these doctors that uh, come on Fox and they say, you know, the, the COVID jab might not work or this might not happen. But those guys are controlled opposition because what they're doing is they're feeding into the fact that COVID is real. And then they'll push people into other pharmaceuticals, other drugs. And it just adds to the noise. It's it's kind of like why I criticize uh, Joe Rogan in part is because he was never against the idea that COVID was a giant scam. He actually played into it. He made every guest come to his studio and take a test, take a COVID test. And then he brought people on, doctors on, to talk about personalized DNA-modifying shots and stuff like that. So those guys are misdirection and disinformation agents, controlled opposition. Anyway, let's just finish this up on uh, George Church and Peter Thiel because it's kind of the bookend to this George Church information. It says, somewhere between financing Hulk Hogan's lawsuit against Gawker and backing Donald Trump's campaign for president, iconoclast investor Peter Thiel found time to invest $100,000 in an effort to resurrect the woolly mammoth. That's according to a new book by Ben Mesrich, Woolly, the true story of the quest to revive one of history's most iconic extinct creatures which chronicles efforts by Harvard University genomics expert George Church to genetically modify elephant cells with DNA retrieved from frozen woolly mammoths. Thiel's donation, made sometime around 2015, is one of the previously unreported twists recounted by Mesrich, whose book tells how Church and his students became involved with a long-shot plan to recreate mammoths and release herds of them into the Siberian tundra as part of an elaborate effort to grapple with climate change. (laughs) Oh, my God. Quote, just remember, it's only science fiction until we remove the fiction. Then it becomes real, end quote. Mesrich has one scientist saying in the book. All right. The Harvard Mammoth Plan got in motion in 2012 during a gathering of de-extinction experts in Washington, D.C. Since then, it's generated a huge amount of media buzz, but so far, no scientific publications and no mammoth either. When I took, not me talking, uh, this is the author, when I took to Twitter last week to poke fun at the lumbering project, now also the subject of a planned Hollywood movie, one of its backers, Stuart Brand, dared me to put, quote, money on the table, end quote, and bet him whether it would succeed. Brand described in Mesrick's book as an, quote, amiable praying mantis, end quote, is the entrepreneur and promoter largely behind recent interest in de-extinction technology. His organization, Revive and Restore, is trying to bring back the passenger pigeon and save the endangered black-footed ferret. But you also have to go behind these companies and you'll find out what their real intentions are. It's just like these folks claiming they want to cure Parkinson's, right? Like the military research and development arm and the intelligence community's research and development arm actually want to cure your grandmother's Parkinson's. Come on, folks, you're smarter than that. The government does not love you. The state only is here to imprison you, enslave you, torture you, and abuse you, if not kill you. They are not here to cure you of Parkinson's. Goes on to say, the mammoth idea, he says, may be the least realistic of those plans, but it's the one that gets most people excited. Quote, people are having their imaginations grabbed and thrown over the horizon, end quote, he says. But no one should imagine 
that de-extinction science or any type of conversation is particularly well-funded. Quote, the assumption is there must be some billionaire putting money into this, end quote, he says. Quote, the reality is that no big money is going into it. It's our own money except for Thiel, end quote. All right, so I'm not going to go in uh, to the rest of this stuff because it's a long article all about the woolly mammoth. But you can see Peter Thiel threw some money behind this. I have Peter Thiel connected to other projects that George Church is working on. So, folks, now you know the story of George Church, one of the modern transhumanists. Uh, I have not brought him up on the show up to this point. So here on episode 96, this is the first time I've introduced you to him. And now you can see that Harvard is still involved with eugenics. It did not die with Adolf Hitler. That's the moral of this story. But when you ask yourself where all these biotech and these life science companies are coming from that are doing all this transhumanist Frankenstein doctor nonsense, you can see that George Church is one of the people today who is instrumental in running these technologies through his business incubator out of Harvard and then launching them into companies and releasing them into the wild. He is also instrumental in indoctrinating a new generation of students into the ideas of eugenics just rebranded and repackaged as transhumanism. All right, let me just show you this. I found it uh, because Peter Thiel is often at Harvard. This is a piece. uh, This is at sts.hks.harvard.edu. And this is Science and Democracy Lecture Series 2015. Peter Thiel, Palantir Technologies, Thiel Foundation, Founders Fund, and PayPal PayPal co-founder. We all know that... Uh, Palantir Technologies was funded by CIA money via InQtel, the CIA's venture capital fund. That is true, 100% open source. I covered it in depth on this show. We know what the Thiel Foundation is. That is where Peter Thiel sets up students to leave college. He gives them $100,000 to work in his incubator, basically, to create companies. We've covered several of the Thiel Fellows that come out of the Thiel Foundation, Thiel fellowship founders fund is peter thiel's investment company and then he was paypal co-founder along with elon musk and others other technocratic transhumanists and this says back to the future will we create enough new technology to sustain our society and this has the panelists Antoine Picone, Margot Seltzer, Samuel Moyne, uh, and Peter Thiel is here. This was on um, March 25th, 2015 at the Science Center Lecture Hall C. And it's important, there's a dozens of these here. Peter Thiel speaks regularly at Harvard University about these type of topics. So again, bringing transhumanism, bringing technocracy into the Harvard culture, and then you ask yourself how this stuff is being spread around the world well even the so-called brightest kids out there those that come out of these ivy league schools they're the ones who are being indoctrinated with this stuff and i just thought the title of this one was interesting back to the future will we create enough new technology to 
sustain our society. Well, they never talk about reducing technology. It's always about the expansion of technology. So I thought this was just interesting. Again, I found dozens of these. Um, But what we're going to do when we get back for the break, folks, I'm going to introduce you to something else I've been researching. And what do I find behind it, ladies and gentlemen? Peter Thiel. And I'm getting back into this Peter Thiel kick because we covered him extensively on this show. But as I'm moving out of the history of technocracy and the history of eugenics, of which I will get back to, I have a lot of technocracy incorporated documents to cover for you, but I wanted to move back into the present. I like to switch between the future, the present, and history. It makes things a little more interesting here. Sometimes I feel like if I'm getting a little bored, you might be getting a little bored. And there's so much here to teach you, so much to unpack, so much to learn, because a lot of this stuff is even new new to me. But I want to show you a little bit of what Peter Thiel is involved with now because this ties into the work that Wide Awake Jim has been doing here at the Dustin Gold Standard and what Dan Golvach talked about on episode 94 here at the Dustin Gold Standard. Folks, I'll be right back. My name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. To the Dustin Gold Standard Podcast, right here on Payne.tv slash gold. And my name is Dustin Gold. But you knew that. I don't know. I just feel like I have to keep repeating it, ladies and gentlemen, because so many new people are tuning in all the time. And the way that... uh, we work the distribution, sort of the syndication of this podcast. You'll notice on the podcast players, it's broken up. And so you might have episode 96, and it's broken into segment one, two, three, and 4. And there's a reason for that. There's a method to that madness invented by Mike Moore, the founder of Payne.tv slash gold and the Thomas Payne podcast. And one day I'll explain that to you folks. And hopefully in the coming year or so, we won't have to do that anymore but for now there is a reason why so i always like to tag the beginning of each episode so if people just hop in on segment three let's say they know what they're listening to all right let me go back in time we covered this on the dust and gold standard before but i'm setting this up because i'm going to talk about this in episode 97 first We've been talking about central bank digital currency here, and there are dozens of episodes I can do on central bank digital currency. I'm saving a lot of that, though, for future episodes with Wide Awake Jim. But since he's talking about it from this perspective, that the climate change hustle 
which we see through the UN documents, through the climate change committees, the ones that actually put the uh, regulations out there, put the plans into works, that they admit that CO2 pollution isn't even real, number one. Number two, they don't have the ability, they don't have the resources to actually build enough solar panels and windmills uh, to replace oil and gas okay we know that based on their own numbers jim has been sharing a lot of this stuff on the show charts and graphs and everything coming out of their own work their own annual reports so this isn't like jim is just making this stuff up or running numbers to try to disprove them this is their own stuff and so what we think is going to happen and jim's going to prove this is that the climate change hustle in part combined with other things like say the collapse of ftx that dan Golvach talked about will usher in central bank digital currency which will be backed by some sort of personal carbon credit system very similar to the blueprints written in 1933 by technocracy incorporated on the energy certificates you can listen to those shows if you'd like to and catch yourself up But the energy certificates are basically rebranded as the carbon credits. And we see carbon credits are currently in the works, using them in certain industries. Elon Musk makes money off of selling carbon credits he receives on behalf of Tesla. And so there will be a personalized carbon credit system basically tagging you with a carbon footprint. And this is how you're going to basically transact. Well, I started doing research into CBDC and looking at some of the test projects that are currently being launched, as Dan Golvach talked about on the show. And sometime in the next episode or two, we're going to review the World Economic Forum uh, panel discussion on CBDC from a few months ago. But what I'm starting to find is that CBDC looks like in many of the test cases is built on top of ethereum and this is very important folks up on the screen i have a cointelegraph.com article and this is from june 2014 i've talked about this on the show before and i just mentioned it so peter thiel has the thiel foundation which in part has the Thiel Fellowship. And under the Thiel Fellowship, Peter Thiel gives $100,000 to um, someone, let's say Dustin. Let's say I'm going to MIT or I'm going to Stanford or I'm going to Harvard. He'll give me $100,000 to drop out and then basically work for two years on whatever project I want, sort of under his leadership. And then in the end, we see that whatever company or product or service was formed, Peter Thiel usually comes in and he'll make the first round investment and then control that technology. So here we have this article by Armand Tanzerian, and it says Ethereum founder awarded a $100,000 Thiel Fellowship. On Thursday, the Thiel Foundation announced its 2014 fellowship recipients, one of whom was Ethereum founder Vitalik Buterin. On Thursday, the Thiel Foundation announced its 2014 fellowship recipients, one of whom was Ethereum founder Vitalik Buterin. Buterin from Toronto is currently working full-time on developing the Ethereum project, will receive $100,000 USD for the next two years as a fellow. Venture capitalist and PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel announced this fellowship program, originally called 20 Under 20, at TechCrunch Disrupt in 2010. His idea 
idea was to reward those who dropped out or opted out of college to pursue entrepreneurship, research, or social work. Each fellow receives $100,000 plus access to a network of other fellows and mentors. Quote, at a time of increasing concern over the value of a college education and a national student debt burden that tops $1 trillion, the Theo Fellows are part of a growing national movement exploring alternative ways to build successful futures, end quote, foundation representatives said in a statement. Now, we know in charge of the Theo Fellowship was Blake Masters, a candidate that Peter Thiel was running. Blake Masters worked for Peter Thiel at the Thiel Foundation as well as at Thiel Capital. Okay, so this guy was running for Senate under Peter Thiel with $15 million of Peter Thiel's money, was in charge of the foundation. So it says Buterin 20 is already a well known figure in the cryptocurrency space. Before launching Ethereum, he co founded Bitcoin Magazine and has written for a number of outlets. Meanwhile, Ethereum's team uh, posted an update on its blog Thursday. It says development of the Ethereum project has gone very well over the months since inception. The core activity development of the software platform is on track, and many developers around the world are starting to build small exploratory distributed applications on the platform, even though we are still not yet in alpha release. They also said the fifth installment of the Proof of Concept series will be released soon, though many community members download the developing source code, compile it, and use it on a regular basis for their various activities. All right, and so I found another article here. This is at newsbtc.com. Vidikin Buterin awarded Theo Fellowship, and in here it actually says that this guy, Buterin, was going to continue to work on Ethereum under the Thiel Fellowship. Okay, so let me show you who was also co-founder of Ethereum, all right, along with this guy, Buterin, all right? So right here, I'm just on the Ethereum page on Wikipedia, and it says right here, Ethereum was conceived in 2013 by programmer Vitalik Buterin. Additional founders of Ethereum included God, uh, Gavin Wood, Charles Hawkinson, Anthony Delorio, and Joseph Lubin, all right? And so for those of you who don't know, Ethereum is up there with Bitcoin. It's not the same thing, but it... Uh, trades and I, I don't know the last was a couple thousand dollars per token it says ethereum is a decentralized open source blockchain with smart contract functionality uh, ether is the native cryptocurrency of the platform among cryptocurrencies ether is second only to bitcoin in market capitalization all right so who is this guy joseph lubin and why am i bringing him to you he is the co-founder of ethereum along with the thiel fellow who worked on ethereum under peter thiel's money right under his grant so it says joseph lubin is a canadian american entrepreneur he has founded and co-founded several companies including the swiss-based eth suisse contributing heavily to ethereum the decentralized cryptocurrency platform. Lubin is founder of Consensus, a Brooklyn-based software production company. In February 2018, Forbes estimated Lubin's net worth in cryptocurrency to be between $1 and $5 billion. 
All right, and this guy, it says in early 2014, Lubin was a co-founder of Ethereum and served as chief operating officer of Ethereum Switzerland, a company working to extend the capabilities of the type of blockchain technology first popularized by Bitcoin and extend the capabilities of the blockchain to store programs in addition to data, as well as facilitate, verify, or enforce the negotiation of performance of smart contracts. The new generation of distributed crypto security databases with smart contract functionality has been referred to as blockchain 2.0 lubin was also involved in the creation of ethereum foundation he subsequently founded consensus in 2015 which is a decentralized blockchain production studio it develops software mainly for the ethereum blockchain system it also provides decentralized software services to companies they also do enterprise and government consulting all right So you have this Buterin guy partnered with this Lubin guy. Lubin go under Ethereum, right? So uh, Buterin is working on Ethereum under Peter Thiel's money. And now you have Lubin goes off and he starts Consensus, which is doing uh, government consulting, government contracting. It says Lubin has been personally involved in cross-industry groups attempting to advance solutions to governance issues in the blockchain industry. Lubin graduated from Princeton University with a degree in electrical engineering and computer science and worked with Goldman Sachs. Lubin's roommate at Princeton was Michael Navragratz. Okay, so... Let me show you uh, something here. And this is very important, ladies and gentlemen. So as I'm doing research into Consensus, this company founded by Lubin, as I'm learning about CBDC and how they're actually going to construct and build this, I come across on Consensus website next episode, episode 97, we're going to go through this. Right here, it says uh, use cases. This is consensus.net, C-O-N-S-E-N-S-Y-S.net. So, again, the point of this, folks, is to show you, you know, we can sit here and we can uh, pretend that this stuff is not happening, uh, pretend that it's not real, but it is here, ladies and gentlemen, it is here, and these major companies uh, are building this stuff. I mean, right here I have on Consensus website, Consensus raises, this is March 2022, raises $450 million Series D funding as leading self-custodial wallet MetaMask reaches over 30 million MAUs. Okay, and in here you have SoftBank, you've heard of them, Uh, Microsoft funded this round, so there's all the usual suspects involved with this. But right here we have blockchain solutions for central bank digital currency. And so it goes into this. What is central bank digital currency? A central bank digital currency is a digital form of central bank money, which is legal tender created and backed by a central bank that represents a claim against the central bank and not against a commercial bank or a payment service provider. CBDC is managed on a digital ledger, which can be a blockchain or not, expediting and increasing the security of payments between banks, institutions, and individuals. According to a recent study conducted by the Bank for international settlements which wide awake jim is about to get into here at the dust and gold standard 
more than 70% of institutions are actively researching and developing proofs of concept for CBDCs. Here are three aspects that define a central bank digital currency. Digital assets. CBDC are digital assets. They are counted for in a digital ledger distributed or not that acts as the single source of truth central bank backed cbdc represents claims against the central bank just as banknotes do central bank controlled the supply of cbdc is fully controlled and determined by the central bank and so they have here an on-demand webinar, CBDCs and stablecoins. In this webinar with industry experts, you'll learn the fundamentals of CBDC and the potential benefits, risks, and challenges for both central banks and global economic infrastructure. You can go into central banks and the future of digital money. This is an introduction to central bank digital currency, CBDCs, their advantages for retail and wholesale payments, and a proposed architecture for a successful implementation on Ethereum. And it says here, CBDCs give central banks future-oriented tools to allow them to implement monetary policy in more direct, innovative ways and keep pace with technological change. That's a quote by Joseph Lubin, founder of Consensus and co-founder of Ethereum. Ethereum being backed in the beginning by Peter Thiel through its original creator, this Buterin guy, who's partnered with Joseph Lubin. And now Lubin is over here running this central bank digital currency build out. And I found a lot of stuff that a lot of different governments are building the CBDCs on the back of Ethereum, which was funded in part by Peter Thiel. So in the next episode, I'm going to go through consensus and I'm going to show you what they're doing with CBDCs. I'm going to show you what other projects they're working on for governments with blockchain. And then I landed, folks, upon this beauty right here. This is a white paper written in January 2020. And this is a white paper on central bank digital currency by consensus. It's 28 pages, and we're going to go through it. And the reason why we're going to do this is so that when we have Wide Awake Jim on the next time to talk about the uh, Bank for International Settlements and other things related to CBDC and the rollout of this carbon-based central bank digital currency that they're going to strap us all to, we're going to be able to have some information to share with Wide Awake Jim and get his feedback on this. Because this is real, folks. There aren't these companies back with $450 million and people backed by Peter Thiel that are working on central bank digital currency, which is, in my mind, it is the same thing we saw 100 years ago, the energy certificates introduced by Technocracy Incorporated and Howard Scott. But now they have the technology to actually make this happen. And they are putting a lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of creativity, building the infrastructure, building the architecture. This stuff is coming. And I want to break it down in more depth than anyone else has that you've watched in the mainstream or even in alternative media because we need to understand when this is coming. How the hell are we going to live one foot out of the matrix if we don't understand when these guys are about to unload the carbon-based CBDC central bank tokens on us that are going to lock us into having to live in the matrix if we have not established other means 
means of trade, whether that be bartering or we start to trade seashells. I don't know what that is, folks, but I've stumbled upon a gold mine here. Not real gold, because these central bank digital currency tokens are frankly worthless, ladies and gentlemen. As you see, the central bank controls them. Just like they can print fiat dollar bills, they can mine as many fake digital tokens as they want to. So we're going to get into this, folks. But as you can see, Peter Thiel, uh, I wanted to show you that he was tied into this transhumanist at Harvard University. Of course he is, folks. So eugenics never ended at Harvard. Peter Thiel behind this big eugenicist George Church. And now we see Peter Thiel behind Ethereum. Ethereum becomes the basis for central bank digital currency. And one of the guys funded by Peter Thiel to create Ethereum, his partner is running this company who's doing all the case studies and the white papers for the government to form central bank digital currency. Folks, you go down these rabbit holes, but the nice thing on my show is I only stay on these topics for two or three episodes. I don't want to drag it out forever. You just need to understand the basics, and this way we can see where they are in the present and how the hell this whole system is going to uh, engulf us in the future, and this way we can make moves, start to come up with solutions to live one foot out of their technocratic system. Ladies and gentlemen, I will see you next on episode 97. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.